earlier in this series, I was telling you a little bit about Chip and Joanna Gaines, a couple who lives down in Waco, Texas. They have a reality TV show. The whole idea is they have clients that, uh, that, that come to them and they decide they want to get a, a house. They shop for a fixer-upper, an old rundown house. The couple finally decides the house they want to buy and then Chip and Joanna take a picture of it the way that it is. And then the couple goes away and they don't get to see the house again until it is done. And so they go to work and they're fixing it up and Joanna's designing things and Chip is building it. And then when it's all done, they get that picture and they blow it up in this enormous size and it's on wheels and it's sitting outside and they bring the couple in blindfolded and they open their eyes and they see the picture of the old house. And then they say, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? And they pull it back and you get to see the new house. Surprise, it is beautiful and it usually is life-changing. Well, it's a show that has a lot of really positive values. They are, they are people of faith. They are people who love. They're trying to build beautiful homes for people and their families. It's just a good, fun, heartwarming show. But they've written a book entitled The Magnolia Story in which they wanted to share their backstory in terms of what brought them to this point in their life. They got to talking about how a number of years ago they had bought a house. They moved into it. It was their fixer-upper and they would flip the house. You live there a little while, and then you sell it to somebody else. And so they'd bought the house, had fixed it up, and now it was going to be sold. They were buying a farmhouse, but it wasn't fixed up yet. And so Chip got a great idea, and he went online, and he found a houseboat. And he thought, how exciting would it be to live on a houseboat on a lake somewhere near here while we're working on a farmhouse? And so he bought this houseboat. And he didn't bother to tell Joanna. Now, husbands, I got to tell you, that's not a good idea. He sunk tens of thousands of dollars into the house. He was going to have it shipped out. Well, in the meantime, Joanna got a phone call, and it was from a lady named Katie Neff. And Katie said, I've been following your blog. I've been reading it. I've seen that you have been getting in some local magazines. I've been looking at your designs. I represent HGTV, and I want you to know, we're thinking, would you maybe want to be a host of a reality TV show? Well, now, talk about a surprise. I mean, Joanna had no idea that they'd be asking this. She had no idea what they were asking, really. You see, she and Chip don't own a TV. They don't watch TV. And now they got a phone call being asked, would you host a reality TV show? showing what you're doing, fixing a house up, we think there might be something good here. She said, I got to ask my husband. So she talked to Chip and said, I got this call. What do you think? And he said, it's a scam. <laughs> it's a scam. They're going to ask for thousands of dollars to shoot a pilot program. No, don't even call them back. Joanna called them back. Two weeks later, here came a crew. It was not a scam. No, here came a crew of about five people. They were going to say, we want to follow you for a week, and we'll just shoot, and we'll just kind of record. You don't think about us, and we'll just see, is there some sort of spark here, something that works? And so they started following And Joanna said, we were terrible. We were terrible. Chip lost a sense of humor. 
We all became stiff as a board. The kids didn't know how to act. No, it was bad. In fact, after four days, finally the producer said to Joanna, you know, I'm, I'm really afraid this just isn't going to work. She knew, she knew. They had one more day. It was the last day on Friday. And that was the day the houseboat arrived. So Chip blindfolded Joanna and said, I got a surprise for you. And they got into the truck and he drove her out to the lake. She didn't know where they were going. They got out to the lake and he took off the blindfold. Surprise! What is it? It's a houseboat. What's it doing here? It's for you. For me. That is the ugliest looking two-story piece of trash I've ever seen. No, honey. Think about it. We got to fix up the house at the farmhouse. I thought we could live on the houseboat on the lake. We could fish for breakfast with the kids. It would be wonderful. By now, Joanna realized he was serious. She lost it. She starts flailing her arms around. She gets mad. She says, Chip Gaines, do you understand? We got three kids who don't know how to swim. What are you thinking? Oh, she really went off on him. She said, you know, in all of our years of marriage, I've been mad at him before, but never this mad. Finally, he said, come on, let's just go look at the boat. And so they went to go look at it. And as they got closer, they began to see big holes in the side of the boat. Now Chip started flailing his arms around and he started getting mad. And they started looking and inside it had been rained on the inside and it was moldy and dirty and the engine wouldn't start. And Joanna said, didn't you go look at this? Well, I saw some pretty pictures on the internet. Chip now realized he had been scammed. And now they're walking around looking at this boat and he is mad and she is mad and then she sees how depressed he's getting as he is so embarrassed that he has poured thousands of dollars into this boat. And she wants to make him feel better. And they start talking, how could we fix this up? And how could we try to make something out of it? And they spent a couple hours wandering around the boat. And the cameras were the furthest thing from their mind. They had a problem to deal with. They finally decided they'd seen enough. And so they headed over to the truck. He put his arm around her shoulder. She laid her head on his shoulder. They got into the truck. And then they looked at each other and thought, oh my, we've been videoed this whole time. That's a bust. They drove over to the director and said, we're sorry you guys had to come out here for a week of this sort of stuff. And what a way to end it all. You know, it's been nice really knowing you. And the producer got all excited and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me tell you, if I do my part right, you got a reality TV show. You see, what they loved was the authenticity that here was a couple, one who had made a foolish mistake, and they could argue and get angry, but also grieve for each other and talk with each other and begin figuring how do we go forward and how do we do this together in a positive way. No, there was something authentic about that. And sure enough, HGTV decided to pick them up and to make the show Fixer Upper. As I said, Chip and Joanne are people of great faith. They really do believe that God led them to the opportunity. And as they talk about it, they say, you talk about a surprise. That out of the blue, 
not knowing anyone, we get a phone call saying, do you want to host a reality TV show? And the only reason we get it is because we bought a rotten houseboat. That's a surprise. But that's how God works in your life. Coming in ways that you would not expect, at times that you do not anticipate, those grace moments, things happen. And God blesses your life in ways you don't expect. That's Christmas. That's what happened in our scripture lesson this morning. If you remember the story, Elizabeth, Zachariah, they've been praying for a baby for years, decades. No baby came. They finally were the age of grandparents. They knew they would never have a child. Zachariah was a priest. He's praying there in the temple when an angel of the Lord appears and said, Zachariah, I want to bring you the news that Elizabeth is going to conceive and have a baby. And you're going to name him John. And you're not going to be able to speak from this moment and now until the baby is born. And that's exactly what happened. You talk about a surprise, something that wasn't anticipated. Or Mary, sweet Mary. Mary wasn't anybody special. She wasn't someone of influence. She wasn't wealthy. She didn't come from powerful parents. She was a poor peasant girl who found favor with the Lord. And the angel of the Lord came to Mary and said, Behold, you're going to conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us, the Lord, the Messiah. Talk about a surprise. Not what was anticipated. This morning, I want to continue on with the sermon series, Roadmap to Bethlehem. What we've been talking about is how we all want to feel Christ in our lives. We want to get in the Christmas spirit. We want to get to Bethlehem. Bethlehem is, is like the spiritual state of our soul. We want to get to Bethlehem. And we've been trying to look at those who made it to Bethlehem and how did they get there? What's our roadmap? What do we do to get to Bethlehem? But what I want to stop and say today is understand it's not just what we do. You get to Bethlehem because of what God does. Christmas comes because God says, you're going to have a baby. The expression of my love coming into the world. It's what God does. In those moments you don't expect, at a time you do not anticipate, it is because God comes to express His love that you make it to Bethlehem. I want to take a moment this morning, I want to think about Mary. How did she get there? And there's just two things that I want to say. First of all, remember that life is not just joy, but also sadness. There is laughter and there are tears. Life is all of these things. And you don't wait for life to be perfect in order to experience the love and the joy of Christmas. Because there are no 
perfect moments. Life is always joy and sadness, laughter and tears. And it's in those moments that God chooses to come so you experience love and a sense of joy and peace. I mean, you think about it for Mary. I mean, here the Lord comes and says, you're going to be the mother of, of Emmanuel, God with us. Mother of the Messiah. Well, now that leads to joy. But it wasn't just joy. You think about it, it led to great struggles with Joseph. When she came to Joseph to say, I am pregnant, I'm going to be having a baby, it says Joseph wanted to divorce her. There was struggle between Mary and Joseph until the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and said, Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Well, that was a struggle. But you know, the angel of the Lord may have spoken to Joseph, but didn't talk to everybody else in the village. Can you imagine, oh, how everybody else loved to talk? Here's Mary. She's pregnant before she and Joseph get married. But there was joy and sadness, laughter and tears. And it was in that moment, that experience, she comes to know the love of God. Christmas. Now, you think about Zachariah and Elizabeth. I mean, here they've been praying for a baby forever. And then suddenly Elizabeth gets pregnant. What joy! I wanted a baby! What joy! I'm the age of a grandparent. If you get older, you understand. You know, that's for young people to do, not older people to do. This year at Thanksgiving, Marsh and I went up to Colorado to celebrate Thanksgiving with all of our family. And our daughter was coming up with her family from Denver and our son with his family from down in Texas. There were going to be 12 of us, six grandkids from three years old to 12 years old. And we're kind of looking at what this is all going to be like. And I, I said to Marsha, you know, we, we need to rent a, not a condo, we, we need to rent a house. It's a two-story house with a basement. We need a little bit of room where we can all be around. And boy, was I ever insightful. When we got there and all the family came, it was a lot of fun. I got out there and I, I played games and I read books and, and I watched TV shows with the kids for Christmas. But you know, three-year-old and four-year-old and five-year-olds, they're three and four and five. And you know, they're kicking things over and they're playing and they're not being destructive, they're just playing. And I found how important it is that I could Go into a different room. <laughs> I could close the door and watch football alone. I, I, I think of Elizabeth. You're going to have a baby at this age. You're going to have a baby. That's life. It's never perfect. It's always a combination of joy and sadness, and laughter, and tears. And it's in those moments that you come to know the love of God. God comes. Christ is born. You make it to Bethlehem. I was reading a story about a, a lady named uh, Jody Stepien. Jody Stepien is now 32 years old. 
She lives in Swissvale, Pennsylvania, right outside of Philadelphia. It turned out 10 years ago when she was 22, she had a great love for her dad. Her dad, Michael, was a chef at a local restaurant. She was a real daddy's girl. One night when he finally got off work, coming home late, he was coming down the alley to the house when a 16-year-old boy stepped out into the alley to rob him and then shot him. They rushed Michael to the hospital. They got him established on life support. But they'd shot him in the head. He was not going to make it. The family wrestled and made the very difficult decision and said they wanted to donate Michael's organs. And so they did, and the next day Michael died. 22 years old, be left without your father. They were a part of an organization that enabled you to, to speak to the recipient if you wanted to, or for the recipient to speak to the family of the donor if they wanted to. And sure enough, as time went on, there was a letter, and then there would be cards, and finally there would be phone calls, and then presents at Christmas and different gifts. They reached out to the man. His name was Arthur Thompson. Arthur lived in New Jersey with his wife. He'd been on the heart transplant list for 16 years. And he had gotten so bad that they knew they were down to days or weeks. And Arthur was going to die. And then surprise, out of the blue there's a call. We have a match. We have a heart for you. And so over these last 10 years, they'd gotten to know one another through the phone and letters, but they'd never met in person. And then just not long ago, turned out that Jerry got engaged. She got engaged and she started thinking about her wedding. And so then she wrote a letter to Arthur asking, would you walk me down the aisle? I'd like for my father to be there. And Arthur talked to his wife and then he talked to his daughter and asked how they felt about it and they were all very supportive. And so it was that they came to, to Swissville, Pennsylvania. They came on the day before the wedding and it was the first time that, uh, that Jerry and, and Arthur had ever met. And you can imagine how emotional it was. The next day, though, before the wedding, she was at the back of the church thinking about how this is the church where her mother and father had gotten married so many years before. And she suddenly felt this overwhelming need. She turned and she hugged Arthur so tight she wanted to feel his heart beat. And she said, it surprised me how much love I felt that my father had for me. In that moment, his presence was so real. And it made it a beautiful day. A day of joy and sadness. A day of laughter and tears. It's in those moments that you experience love and God comes. Don't wait for your life to be perfect. 
in order to think you're going to experience the joy of Christmas. It comes in your everyday life with all that is happening now. God makes the decision to come for you. Secondly, I love the line where Elizabeth says, Blessed are you who have trusted that God's word would be fulfilled. Blessed are you who are willing to trust that God's word is going to be fulfilled for you. That's what Elizabeth is saying about Mary. She was the one who was willing to trust that yes, God would come. Emmanuel, God with us. Mary was facing an incredibly uncertain future, a difficult time with joy and sorrow. And yet to trust, to trust in God's word would be fulfilled for her. I think that's the real question for us is will we trust in these moments of our lives to trust that God's word will be fulfilled. You remember Jesus as an adult said, I have come that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be full. Do you trust that God's word will be fulfilled for you? He did not say life is going to be happy and easy. No, in life, there is joy and sadness and laughter and tears. God said, I will come that you might know joy. Do you trust? It is so easy to give in to despair, to give in to cynicism, to give in to anger. And in those moments, it's hard to see how God's trying to come in your life. Do you trust in this moment? day by day, with the uncertainty of life that God wants you to know His joy this Christmas. I saw a fascinating story recently about a lady named Jody Kaz. Jody and her husband Scott live out in Phoenix, Arizona. It turns out they're both teachers. Her Scott's a high school teacher and Jody winds up being a teacher in the fourth grade, an elementary school teacher. One of the things they've always wanted through the years was to have a baby. They've been praying and praying and praying. They're people of great faith. And they've been asking God that maybe they could have a baby. Ten years they've been praying. Didn't happen. In fact, it turned out that they discovered a couple of years ago she had a heart condition. She's been put on medicine. The doctors have said, do you understand? You will never have a child. She was okay with that. She accepted that. But she sure thought, maybe we could adopt. Maybe I could still be a mother. I want to be a mother so bad for some child to be mine, to take care of. But now she was 45. And at 45 years old, she was feeling like maybe she's too old. She wasn't receiving encouragement from the adoption agencies. And so she struggled. But she kept praying every day, oh God, maybe there's a child out there for me. Well, teaching... She happened to have a wonderful student. His name was Orlando. When she started a semester, Orlando was put into her reading class. It's because he spoke mainly Spanish and, and he needed to learn English and to work harder on his grammar. And they just really hit it off. I mean, this kid, he was just so excited about learning and so charismatic and happy. They just really hit it off. 
So much so that she would go home and she'd tell her husband, Scott, if we ever get to adopt a child, I want our child to be just like Orlando. But she didn't know about Orlando's background. You see, it turned out that Orlando had been born in Tucson. His mother was from Mexico, but he was born in Tucson and he was, became an American citizen. But his mother took he and his sister back to Mexico. She could not take care of them, and they were put into an orphanage when they were just babies. It was also interesting that, that Jody used to go volunteer at orphanages down in Mexico. She would go and try to work with the kids and help them with their English, and she was scheduled to go to the orphanage where Orlando was when they diagnosed her heart problem, and she had to cancel the trip. But their lives were destined to cross. It turned out that his aunt, Orlando's aunt, came and got the two children when he was four years old, came back to Phoenix and went and dropped each of them off at a social service agency office at a different one. They were both put into the system, parents, different things. And in the end, the little girl was adopted, but not Orlando. And now he was 11 years old. And Orlando was smart enough to know the chance of me being adopted has gone down so much. People want to adopt a baby, not an 11-year-old boy. Every night he prayed and he prayed, Oh God, isn't there someone who I can call mom all my own? He got so distraught about it, though, he started talking to his friend Jose, his best friend. It's not going to happen for me. I will never have that family. Jose got so worried about his friend that he went to his teacher, Ms. Kaz, and said, what do I do to help my friend Orlando? Here's what's happening to him. He knows he'll never be adopted as an 11-year-old boy and went through it. And Jody said, Orlando can be adopted? She went home, told Scott, they called a, a caseworker, and before then they were soon talking to Orlando. This past November the 19th, on National Adoption Day, the judge signed the papers creating a new family. And they were there to interview Jody and said, so, so what are you feeling right now? And she said, I am beyond thrilled. We both have been praying and praying for this, wondering could this ever happen. We really believe God has led us together. And I can't tell you, this is a Christmas miracle. They interviewed Orlando and said, what are you feeling about it? And he said, this is the happiest day of my life. And I am so excited. But it is a little strange to call my teacher, Ms. Kaz, Mom but it's what I've dreamed about all my life. You never know how God is going to move in your life or when God will move in your life. The question is, will we trust that God really does want to bless us with joy? Not easiness and happiness, with joy. Because life is full of joy and sadness and laughter and tears. And it's in that moment of life 
that God chooses to come. You make it to Bethlehem not because of what you do, but because of what God does. God comes to be born in your life, and you make it to Bethlehem. It's in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer.